defense firm was like, you don't have a case, there's nothing. But when we did it, okay, with the 360 camera, it really proved the case. Technology in the courtroom is doing more than just winning cases. When you use this trial technology, it adds an additional level of credibility to you. And it's really super engaging for a jury. You're listening to Personal Injury Mastermind, where we give you the tools you need to take your personal injury practice to the next level. Kyle Newman is a force in the medical malpractice space, recovering over $10 million for his clients before the age of 35. He has been admitted into both the Million Dollar and Multi-Million Dollar Advocates Forum. A third-generation trial attorney, the practice of James Newman is a family affair. Kyle joined his father, James, and works alongside his two brothers. Kyle has a near-perfect trial record thanks to his tireless preparation boosted by cutting-edge tech he uses to connect with his juries. Today, we dig into the soft skills that win cases. We talk about the latest trial technology so you can ditch the cardboard blow-ups, go beyond the PowerPoint, and win more cases. We also explore how social media can help with networking and referrals. I'm your host, Chris Stryer, founder and CEO of Rankings.io. We help elite personal injury attorneys dominate first-page rankings with search engine optimization. Being at the forefront of marketing is all about understanding people. So let's get to know our guest. Here's Kyle Newman, Senior Associate at James Newman PC. I'm a New York guy, you know, born and raised in Long Island. Having my grandfather and my dad, both personal injury attorneys, we used to go as little kids. The Bronx Bar Association, which both my dad and my grandfather were huge in, they used to take these annual trips to like Puerto Rico. And when I was there, I didn't really know it at the time, but I was around these incredible attorneys, trial lawyers. I mean, big time guys and that I really grew up grew up with. At the end of the day, I was the kind of type that didn't really know necessarily what I wanted to do in college. And then in law school, it became a little bit clear that I definitely wanted to be in court. I just love that. It was the natural choice. So you had yeah. a little bit of that immersion, right? You didn't even oh, know totally. what was happening. You know, totally. So you, you work with your, your father and your little brother, you know, so what's that like? Uh, you know, are you always on the same page or do you have that family rivalry? Like, like, how does that go? So I'm the oldest of three brothers. Actually, both of my brothers uh, work here. My middle brother is an attorney. My youngest brother uh, is a paralegal. When I first started out, it was really just me and my dad. And then once my middle brother came in, it really worked out great because uh, we all kind of do different things. I'm our senior trial attorney. I do all of our trial work. Running a law practice is not just about trial work. It's about moving cases, settling cases, all the stuff in between, which my middle brother Devin is phenomenal at. My dad, for the most part, you know, runs the business. He's with the clients every day, which I guess to a certain extent we all are. But I think with a family practice, when you have each of us kind of doing different things, it helps in the family dynamic. I mean, there's always times where we want to kill each other, but I think that's natural. So yeah, it's, it's worked out great so far. That's awesome. That's awesome. Love it. Let's take a step back. You know, I got to talk about this. So your first case out of law school was in the Manhattan Supreme Court and you got a maximum jury verdict of $100,000. So take us back there. How did you prepare for that first case? And, you know, what support helped lead to the success? 
I had a wonderful client who was really badly hurt. Uh, it was a tough uh, car accident case where the liability was disputed. And I just love this guy. I think it was the first sense of real passion for a case, really like, you know, this is kind of how I am with people in general. And it really applies to my cases as well, where I really feel like people are part of my family when I spend so much time with them and fight for them. And, you know, it's, it's like, I'm going to court for, you know, my brother or my spouse or something like that. So for that started out working for my dad over the summer after the bar, I did some travel and then I started working and uh, I literally tried that case two weeks after being admitted. So I had started working wow. on the case, obviously didn't know what the hell I was doing. Uh, like anyone, you know, starting out sweating, nervous procedure, forget about it. I mean, my objections were a joke, but I think at the end of the day, what really came through was my passion for the case and how much work that I put into it, just knowing the records, knowing the evidence so that when things came up, I really had a response for them, even though I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And I'll give you a funny, funny story of how intense and how into it I was. We're doing openings and uh, in New York County, at the, in this courtroom, they like a, a lot of courtrooms, they, they wheel out the evidence cart. So it's on like this wheeled thing. And for whatever reason, the, the, uh, the uh, court attorney puts it right like in the well, right in front of the jury. So th if I remember, it was a, a taxi case. Like I said, it was a little messed up uh, uh, liability. So I'm trying to like reenact the case in front of the jury. And I didn't see this cart, And I literally stumbled backwards and fell over the cart. OK, over that the evidence like exploded. OK, all over the place. I'm sweating. I'm like totally freaked out. But at the end of the day, I think the jurors uh, really appreciated it, that they could see I was a young guy. I didn't really know what I was doing yet, but I believed in the case uh, and I believed in my client. And, you know, what better feeling it that that was the first real taste of what it's like to win, win a trial and be in, in court. And I loved it. And I've been pretty much chasing that feeling my entire career for what 14 years now. Yeah. It's incredible. And I, I've, I've had other top trial attorneys on. And the one thing I hear is when they care, right. You can take that empathy and passion and pass it on to the jury. And it sounds like you, you got all the information you could, you really wanted to serve them and you didn't have the experience, but you had the knowledge and you put in the, the, the hard work and the time to yep. learn about the case. So only four to 5% of personal injury cases go to trial. And 90% of the cases that do go to trial end up losing. You've been to trial over 75 times with a near perfect track record. So I wanted I to dive into what makes a lawyer credible to the jury and how to leverage technology. So, you know, what goes into that credibility point for the, in the eyes of the jury? When it comes to credibility, I think the first and the core thing is how much work you're putting into the case. If you set a standard for yourself, which is really what I've done since the beginning, is to, I'm going to outwork. No one is going to know this case, the records, the evidence, you know, every page of the transcripts better than me. Okay. I'm going to live you know, breathe, sleep with these records. So I think that builds credibility. So when you come into court, if you're unprepared, a judge asks you a question, you know, a witness does something where you're, you know, thrown off, you're flustered, a jury's going to see that right away. And it's going to diminish your credibility, I think, right off the bat. You know, the other thing is this also takes time for lawyers and really it, it definitely took me a, a while, but is trying to be as authentic to yourself as 
possible. There's a uh, great book by uh, Jerry Spence. I believe it's Win Your Case, but he talks about just being yourself as much as he can really adds to your credibility. If you're trying to, to put on a show or act like someone you're not, I think that definitely harms you. You know, there's this paradox of naturalness, okay, in, in a courtroom that lawyers have this instinct to want to act like a lawyer and talk like a lawyer. But especially in our line of work in personal injury, I think the absolute most successful attorneys out there can explain complex topics like a normal person would. You, you know, to explain it to a jury who, you know, working in New York, for the most part, my cases are in the Bronx. I'm dealing with a lot of people that, for the most part, might have a high school education or low income people, definitely hardworking, working class people, but they're not going to ex- understand lawyer talk. And when you start doing that, you kind of alienate people. And I always think that the best lawyers just can talk and present themselves like normal people, you know, across the board. I think that's the case. I think that's a great piece of advice for that communication point totally. of view and like the, you know, the comprehension that goes into it. You know, one thing I've always wanted to ask, and I'm going to ask you here, this is because, you know, you, you watch movies, right. And you see these heavy hitting attorneys and then it, it seems like they draw in the competition that's heavy hitting. So over the years has winning become more difficult, you know, are they, your names attached to the case and they're like, boom, we're going to bring in our top defense attorney, you know, has that, you know, elevated the game and made the game even more challenging. So being my firm sole trial attorney, first of all, I have a little unique, you know, upbringing as a trial lawyer being, you know, able to try as many cases as I have, because once I started my dad, who already had a, you know, pretty busy solo practice was like, you're going to try every single case from here on out. And that's really what I did. And my specialty is medical malpractice work. So you know, especially with med mal and some of the, you know, high exposure catastrophic injury cases, you're always dealing for the most part with the senior partners in the firm, the real, you know, big swinging, you know, seasoned guys. And that's kind of been my secret weapon. It's kind of my David and Goliath thing. And it's something that I talk about a lot. And I think it's the most important thing for young attorneys to realize is that when you're young and relatively unknown and you go up against these big, scary defense partners or trial attorneys that have 20, 30 years experience on you, you actually have an advantage because those guys are not going to see you coming. Those guys are going to see you, a young attorney, and they're going to let their guard down and think, you know what? Maybe I could do less to get over on this guy. I've done this a million times. I'm not going to work quite as hard. I'll have my associate work on it. And then what a lot of time happens right from opening statements or really right when we start talking to the jury, they're kind of caught off guard because of the preparation. And in my case, how much experience that I have. Um, And the other thing, which I know we'll talk about later, is the use of trial technology in court, which I've been really big on for about 10 years. I kind of stumbled on this stuff, but that alone is such an important piece of the the puzzle because one, there's a huge divide I see these days with the attorneys that are trying cases from the defense bar who are, for the most part, much older. They don't let their young associates really try cases 
nearly as much as plaintiffs, plaintiffs firms. And for anyone young out there, if you're working at a firm, do anything that you can to get in front of a jury, get in front of a judge, whether it's a mediation, you know, at a deposition, do any beg, you know, just to get out there because it'll go a long way. But with the trial tech stuff, you know, a lot of these guys are just old school. You know, they're doing it the same way that really my dad's age guys, you know, guys in their 60s and, you know, even in their 50s are stuck in the, you know, the cardboard blow up, you know, ways, um, things that I'm sure that have worked in the past. But when you use this trial technology, it adds an additional level of credibility to you. And it's really super engaging for a jury. So, you know, for myself, picture, you know, when someone comes in with just paper exhibits, or let's say they just have stacks of papers that they're passing out to the jury. And I have a 90 inch projector screen and a crystal clear projector. Sometimes what I'll do is if I have a white wall in a courtroom, I'll blow up the projector screen for the whole, it's like a drive-in movie. So when I'm presenting evidence and I'm able to go through and pull up stuff laser quick, it just adds an additional level of credibility and it leaves an impression on these people that no matter how good your, your adversary is, if they're not using that, that alone is going to give you an edge. And it's something that I love talking about because I still don't see a lot of people using it for, for whatever reason. We can see examples of this most recently in the public case of Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. The defense pushed around papers and struggled to find what they needed. Confidence comes from preparation. Kyle sees trial tech as an essential part of preparation. He takes us through the tools he uses. What I use in really any presentation that I do, it could be a trial, it could be at a deposition. Uh, what I use is a dedicated laptop. So it's really just you know, for my trial stuff. And I use a software, it's called Exhibit View, which I came across about 10 years ago, which is basically enables you to pull up any piece of evidence in your entire file, basically two clicks and it's up. You can also do a ton of stuff with it. You can compare and contrast different pieces of, of evidence. You can highlight, you can circle, you know, there's a lot of different things that you can do really on the fly. It's very intuitive. That ability to have your entire caseload there and not have to spend any money on anything. One of the big reasons why I got into this was because I was having so much trouble one with hiring trial technicians because it was very expensive for my small practice. I would use these big cardboard blowups and then I, they would get damaged or dirty or, you know, shit it up. One time I had a trial, I was lugging in about 20 different blowups that I had spent, I don't know, two grand on from Staples. And I got caught in the rain and it ruined all of them. Okay. And wow. I was like cursing this. I was like, you know, and then I had to, you know, go nuts and drive to Staples and freak out and reprint it. And it was a whole thing. I was spending so much money and time using this stuff where with trial technology, you don't have to spend a dime on anything to blow up every piece of evidence that you have photos, videos, you know, all of your documents it's up like that. These days, Younger attorneys are already tech savvy. You use computers for the most part. We use cloud systems for, you know, for case management, whether it's Dropbox and everything is really digital. So you have everything already scanned in. You have all of your evidence. It's just a matter of 
finding a way to use it. And this software, it's incredible. The only catch with, with it is that it's only for PCs. So the other thing that I found is that you can use this software virtually as well. All you need is an extended screen. So basically the, the software projects whatever you want to put up. There's a little projector button. So you mm -hmm. set it up, project it, then you can interact with it. But for the most part, people have an extended monitor or just a second monitor. I mean, these days you could go on Amazon and get, get them for you know 50 bucks, but you can set that up for mediations as well so that you can rebut you know, different points that your adversary is making. You can present your whole case. You know, I think that there's a lot of value in some instances with using things like PowerPoint, which I know a lot of attorneys talk about. But the big problem with that is that you have to follow along in sync. Okay. And if something comes up that's you don't have you're prepared or that's not in the order that you set it up, you you're totally screwed. And I think, you know, when I first started out, I tried doing that too. And, and it was just a mess with this. If anything comes up, you know, you have a 1500 page medical record, you can just pull up any page, you know, a doctor's talking about and boom, it, it, is that what happened? Was that your history? You know, what was your exam on, the, on this day? Um, it really gives them nowhere to hide. And I think what people, you know, need to at least try it out to see that it actually simplifies the process of putting on a case, cross-examining a witness, um, because you have everything so easily and organized right there. All you need is really a good outline and you're good to go instead of having a million stacks of paper and shuffling through. I mean, it's a, it could be a disaster, you know, especially for guys that are doing it on their own, which, which is something that, that I take a lot of pride in that I've always done my, my trials and work up all on my own. One of the things that comes to mind, and I think we, for many individuals, like no one wants to go on jury duty, right? So right. these individuals don't want to be there. They're not getting paid well. And so the time perspective is like, you know, you're, you're trying to win the trust and the likability perspective to the jury. And it just seems like if you're moving through and you're organized and you know, totally. it doesn't seem like you're wasting their time that they'll like you more. Right. It cuts out all the BS, right? It gets right to the point. So the way that I got into this is I, I told you, I, I was trying cases for maybe three years. I had some good results but I wasn't getting like over the top verdicts on case, some cases that really, I, I think that my clients deserved a little bit more. And I felt that I put on a great case, but it just wasn't getting there. And when I talked to jurors, they were telling me that, you know, your presentation really wasn't as good as, you know, the way that mm. you, I, we could see that you felt about the case and wanted to show us. And it was just kind of lacking. So I went to a CLE with the New York state trial lawyers, and I'll never forget this. There was a amazing attorney. His name is Martin Edelman. He still practices in New York. He's one of the top New York city trial lawyers. And he was talking about demonstrative evidence. And it was like, he was looking right at me. He asked a question. He, he was like, you know, what does, what do all jurors look love. What do all jurors love? You know, and everyone around the room, they say, oh, they love their family. They love chocolate. They love, you know, vacation. He's like, no, all jurors love television. Okay. Everyone loves TV and we all do. Everyone loves TV because it's engaging. It's stimulating. For the most part, people are watching and listening and want that immediate, you know, gratification and engagement. Okay. And that was kind of what clicked with me. And that's when I kind of ventured off to try different software. There's other things, 
like uh, trial director or trial pad, which you use on, on a, um, you know, a, an iPad. There was, there's some others like sanction. I, I don't know if that one's around anymore, but it just so happened that exhibit view was the easiest to use for, you know, a solo guy where I didn't really need help. It's very intuitive. It, it, it's so easy to learn. You can learn it in 30 minutes. So I think that is the engagement element. You got to engage these jurors. They expect it. So what I've wondered is like you hit on the mediums, right? You, you got the visual, you have the television component, right? You can see the different angles, things like that. I mean, do you complement it? Are you bringing, wheeling in the skeleton structure where they so, can kind of... Absolutely. I just had a trial where it was a uh, improperly installed shower door. And it was one of these really thick glass doors that was improperly installed and shattered on this, this young, she was 21 years old, closed the door, it shattered all over. It looked like a murder scene. She had lacerations all over. But what I did was I went online and I bought a, a one foot piece of that glass to just pass around to the jury and so that they could feel how heavy that thing was. And if you could imagine an entire wall of that, you know, shattering, you know, all over you, that kind of makes it tangible too. One case that stands out was one of my biggest verdicts right before COVID. Uh, it was an extended hospital stay where a surgeon, my client developed a really significant infection. And this surgeon did not, he was admitted to the hospital for six weeks. Okay. This surgeon did not see him for five of those weeks. Okay. Despite all these other people. And he was in the hospital the entire time. Okay. So what I did was I blew up basically two calendars that I could write on. Okay. So I went week by week. You were here on the, uh, this whole week, right? Let's X out all these days that you didn't see him. Let's go the next week because you tell someone 30 days or, you know, a month, it might not register, but when you show them on a calendar, how many days that is, how many weekends where my client was in the hospital, you know, uh, in the worst pain and all this horrific stuff going on, you didn't, you didn't walk down the hall and see him. Something like that puts it over the top too. So I think it's, I think you should always be, you know, looking for additional ways to make your points. These days you can get amazing 3D renderings of CT imaging and MRIs. I always try to do that. I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff out there. I, I was talking to my buddy at, at this company, Fox AE. They made a 3D where jurors could actually put on a 3D set of, of uh, you know, goggles and be inside like it, for one of them, it was a trip and fall where someone where if you were walking through this area, you wouldn't have seen like where the caution sign was just to get someone's perspective on that. And then, then it was like there was a bicycle accident. There was a car accident and all these recreations, which I mean, could you imagine if you brought in VR sets for your entire jury? Right. I mean, it would be amazing. So all those things just keep adding, adding them up. I mean, do as much as you can. The client is obviously the most important thing. And if you're putting your client and your case in the best position to really make an impact, you're going to do well, I think. That's incredible. So are yeah. you, you know, is it one of these things you're, you're cruising just the regular store and you're like, oh, I could use that for my trial. Have you had those types of scenarios? Okay. So the other day, okay. I have this, uh, it's kind of like a GoPro. It's called the Insta 360, but it's basically a GoPro with two lenses on, on one on either side. So when you use it, it simultaneously records everything around you. And then once hmm. you record the video, you can go into the app and literally take your phone and like look around oh. where you were in that video. Okay. So it dawned on me, I was doing an inspection 
Okay. And in this case, it was a really bad ankle fracture where my client was a construction guy and went into this hardware store. Okay. And when you would go into the hardware store, he, he tripped and fell in a staircase in the middle of the store. Okay. So when you would go into the store, the staircase was only visible from the first aisle when you would walk in. Okay. And what ended up happening at the time of the accident was they, they improperly, they stacked up all these product boxes right in that aisle to a level. It was 60 inches that we figured out through measuring, you know, the, the boxes that were there. And we stacked them up at the, during the inspection to see what it would look like if I walked in, what my perspective would be. Okay. Because mm-hmm. basically what happened was he walked in, didn't see the staircase, continued to walk to the back of the store, did some shopping. He had never been there and then came back up to the front where this whole staircase was basically walled off by like product shelves. So you again, couldn't see it. And he basically turned the corner took one step. He was looking at like products on the shelf and went down those stairs bad. Okay. And when wow. you looked at the surveillance fit- video, it was it was almost kind of laughable to, you know, it's terrible to say, but you know, when we first got the case and put it in suit, the defense firm was like, you don't have a case, there's nothing. But when we did it, okay, with the 360 camera, it was absolutely incredible. They were actually asking where could we get this thing? Like their own expert loved it so much. And because you were able to hold it and walk in and actually see what someone's perspective would be. And it totally, it really proved the case. I mean, maybe there's some, uh, some comparative on my guy, but it definitely got us over from like a summary judgment motion, you know, and it was really, really powerful. I think it, it really made the case. Um, and these little things, you know, we live in an age, there's so much great tech out there to, to play with sky's the limit. You know what you could think of with this stuff. Like, like I was thinking today, like um, using that same thing. So I told you, I do a lot of medical malpractice work, but just to feel what it's like to walk into like a hospital, you know, walk into like a, a surgical floor where patients are, you know, what that feeling is. And you could do that with this and just kind of walk in and, and, and look around and see what's going on. You know, something like that, that puts, um, you know, a juror or, or an audience in that you know, perspective, because a lot of times people will have a a difficult time, you know, gaining that perspective, just kind of trying to imagine it because people aren't, you know, don't do this stuff every day. So, so they can't, you know, think of it on their own sometimes. Yeah. And I I like all of the mediums and examples of use, even the shower, like holding it, the weight you can actually feel. Oh, oh, that was supposed to someone telling. Yeah. It's just, just incredible. And it's so out of the box too, because when you're, you just don't expect that you're going to see a presentation like this. It's like engaging and draws your attention to it too. And it makes it memorable because it is different. Absolutely. I'll tell you another story. So using this trial tech, another problem that I had was showing MRIs or like x-rays is that I would have my expert and he'd be like showing a laptop. Okay. To like showing like a little laptop screen to the jury and trying to pick out like these little things or you back in the day, you'd have like the the film printout of like, you know, the actual imaging. He'd be trying to print. It was like a joke, you know, and you could blow it up, but you couldn't interact with it. So it was really clunky, at least to me. I mean, some, I'm sure some other guys have different tactics for this, but I I tried it all and I was having a, a terrible time. So one of my first really big, it was an orthopedic malpractice case where a, it was an osteochondral fracture of the knee. Okay. And this doctor didn't take out a piece of what he thought was cartilage, but it was actually cartilage and bone. 
Okay. And we showed it on the, the projector and it was just a little piece of bone that if you were just a layperson, you wouldn't see it. And during deliberations, what did the jury ask? They asked Mr. Newman, put up the, the MRI again. So I raced over, got it all set, made it super bright so that they could see it. And that won the case just alone having that, you know, if I didn't have it, I, I would have lost. That's incredible. I'm a visual learner too. You know, oh, if I'm too. trying to, and, and just, there's different inflections and how you present things, but that works, it's magic. But when you get to see it or feel it, it it also just adds to it. So I think that's incredible. You want to engage the senses as much as possible. This children's book that I I have a five-year-old that I read to him, that it's all about your senses. And that's how people learn. You, You know, you don't know how people learn. You want to engage as many of those things as possible to make an impact on them. And this is just a way to do it. With over 20,000 followers on Instagram, Kyle offers his advice on how to build a social audience. All of my stuff is really just taken from ideas that I get around the office that like actually happen. Like I'll be on the phone with an adjuster and they say something, I'm like, ding. Or like I watch a video, a movie at night and I'm like, oh, that's a great quote. There's such an amazing community of plaintiff's attorneys out there working in New York and being so deep into trial practice, I really didn't have that much time to go out and meet people in California or in Arizona or, you know, in in Florida and really learn from them as well. And I think that is such an amazing thing with with social media that I've I've made so many friends on on social and that refer cases and I'll refer cases to them and that are just a great resource to learn from, you know, that you might have questions about. And I think, uh, you know, just trying to be your authentic self. If you look at my stuff that when I first really started doing it, it was like me in a full suit in front of a green street screen talking about like, like uh, <laughs> New York car accidents. It was, it wasn't me, you know, it was just, it looks silly now, but uh, I think you have to try to be authentic. I think that the guys that really do it well, there's a lot of them out there. They know what their brand is. They, they know what they're good at and what their authentic self is. And it really shows, you know, I've talked to many of my clients are like, Oh, we don't, we don't get anything from social. Now go look at their social following. They'll, they'll have 300 followers or 600 followers. And you're saying, hey, it's it's education, it's 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 networking, communication. So I think it's just looking at it different from a goal perspective. Each of these platforms, you need to understand what they do, okay, how they work. It's a social platform, so you have to go out of your way to be social. You can't just be silent, you know. And I'm not just talking about like the stuff that you post. If you like something, not only like it, but leave a meaningful comment that someone might actually appreciate. And that's the way that you you make connections through this and that you find out, oh, these are real people. I have a lot of common with them. We could be friends. I might see them one day. You know, I have a, a lot in common with these people that I never even knew existed. So that's the way to do it. You really want to interact with them. You know, I think that's a problem that a lot of people have is not only that they kind of just post the same recycled stuff where you can, you know, pay a, a social media marketing firm just to do for you. And that really doesn't add anything. So the best thing that, that you can do is try to just be yourself, go out there and interact with people that you like, and you're going to find your niche and you'll find what, you know, my stuff ended up, I'm just, I guess, a funny guy. I, that's the most part, you know, what, what most people think 
think about my stuff. You're, you're just funny, Kyle. So I r- run with it. I mean, I do do, you know, some serious stuff and I love talking about trial practice. And like I said, it's really just what kind of comes up in my mind. That's how, that's my process. And that's how I work. And I think when you're unpacking your brain, it's not like, Hey, how do I make, you know, it, this is just me. Right. And you don't have to think about the content creation as much from a, like a strategy and planning or research perspective. It's like your own knowledge, your own personality, your own experiences. The other thing too, is like, I see a lot of attorneys. It's like, you know, it's like, you know, I posted the content. I'm good. Right. So you'll see a couple good comments, but there's no reply. There's no engagement, but like once you post the content, that's the starting point because the engagement and the comments helps show it to more feeds, you know, helps it get reshared. It helps you get the follows. Exactly. Exactly. Anyone that's starting out trying to use it, you know, as a marketing tool should read Expert Secrets by Russell Brunson. That Mm -hmm. book totally changed my entire outlook on all of this stuff. The big light bulb moment for me is going from a content consumer to a creator. Me, probably five years ago, I was like most people, you know, I had just crap on, on my feed, you know, whether it was YouTube or Instagram, whatever, that was just kind of mindless stuff. So once you get rid of that stuff and you kind of focus on the creation part and become a creator, then you're taking everything in real life and bringing it into your own personal brand that makes you authentic and you. And I'll think of something, I'm constantly thinking about it. And then it makes it a lot easier to, to produce content. Yeah. And, it, and if you're being you, you're having fun, right? Yeah. So yeah, then, yeah. Right. Then it's not just, right. When it gets too stressful, that's when I kind of take a little break. I don't think it should be like that. And I will say that going into this, I never thought it would be as positive. You know, you hear a lot about people that are tro- like trolls and nasty people for the vast majority of people that I interact with that are both new and people that I've known for a long time that follow me and that I follow them. It's so positive, you know, especially with the other lawyers out there, people are so encouraging and just, you know, grateful and just wonderful people. And I I think that in the plaintiff's bar, especially the younger guys and girls, we're kind of all cut from the same cloth to a certain extent. We have a lot of the same problems, a lot of the same, you know, highs and lows, and we can relate to one another. So, you know, weird is cool. You, you know, that's what I always say. Just be weird, you know, and, and it'll take aside, be different, be different. Be different. You stand out, you stand exactly. out. Totally. Totally. Well, this has been amazing. There's so many actual pieces of advice that you, that you share with our audience. What's next for Kyle Newman? What's next for Kyle Newman? The biggest cases, biggest trial verdicts uh, in New York. That's what I'm going for. It's been a kind of weird two years, especially here in New York. I see a lot of my colleagues across the country where the courts have really done an amazing job of getting back, you know, and to, to a certain degree of normalcy. But, you know, here in New York, the reality is that the courts are not fully back here. You know, they are have been very slow to get back. It's a lot of backlog and a lot of waiting now. It's like all these cases that were ready to go, they're still just sitting waiting. So I think this September and and going on, it's going to be a lot of action, but I'm just focused on, you know, getting great results for my clients and growing the practice and, and doing what I love. Technology can help juries empathize with clients and result in larger verdicts, but the heavy lifting comes from knowing your audience and connecting with them in an authentic way. Building credibility requires knowing your case backwards and forwards, staying organized, and engaging the jury and respecting their time. 
I'd like to thank Kyle Newman from James Newman PC for sharing his story with us. And I hope you gained some valuable insights from the conversation. You've been listening to Personal Injury Mastermind. I'm Chris Dreyer. If you like this episode, leave us a review. We'd love to hear from our listeners. I'll catch you on next week's PIM with another incredible guest and all the strategies you need to master personal injury marketing.